You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Rock and roll. Happy summer, boys. Andy, you look very tan. Yeah, that's the stress. Oh, I have to stay out of the sun. Otherwise, look at this. Jeez. I got oh, I know. Food, and I look fine. I, I stay out of the sun in general after uh, my wife's had some fun with skin stuff. And I, yeah, you got to be careful. Put on your sunscreen. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. What are we talking about? Some little market? Well, yeah, yeah I got some for you guys. You oh, never boy. asked me how I'm doing, but here's how I'm doing. We had a pretty exciting match recently, so check it out. That's awesome. Fun stuff. He gets to see it uh, next week. Big Chris is coming. Well, that's exciting, Chris. I'm headed to Poland, baby. You're hey, gonna um, pick up our custom fitted uh, jerseys. Oh, we need to do that. Yeah, I talked to him. You guys, I tell you what, uh, we we could also uh, fill in as linemen um, if you need us. We probably could. I know we could. Uh, we just would stand there. Ouch! 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 <laughs> I always, I always think it's funny because people, you know, I tell them I played football and baseball in college, and they go, "Oh, what'd you yeah. play in football?" Then I tell them quarterback, and they're like, "Really? Yeah, <laughs> I go, what? Obviously, I mean, jeez." Yeah. But anyways, hey, <laughs> you were a tight end. That's right. Yeah, I played a little D end and tight end. Yeah, I, yeah. I see. I love defense. I just, yeah. I was like, and I, I like also catching the ball, but I didn't like to run. I like the short sprints, you know what I mean? The go and smash them. And, uh, yeah, I used to love that. Yeah. I, uh, then, of course, we always do the across-the-middle suicide pass where the uh, – send the tight end across the middle for, like, a four-yard gain, yeah. catch it, and then you're immediately blah, 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 to the ground. <laughs> That's um, so important for a, for a quarterback to have someone like that so I could dump yeah, it off. Yeah, just run well, I don't the get linebacker it. lunchbox and let him attack me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all, about the, it's all about the quarterback, Andy. You got to remember that. I, I uh, I'm not saying. sure. You don't have a quarterback. It's hard to hard to win. But anyway, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, being a coach or being someone to advise their clients. Oh, what a great time! I tell you what, you know, um, in today's market, I, I was, uh, you know, our group had our, our weekly meeting yesterday. You know, all my agents would get together and talk, and we were talking about, you know, having where. Right now, feelings are in front of the facts. And so we're having these fears and we're having all this crazy stuff going on in the world. And we're just not spending the time. We're just reacting to it. We're not spending the time to say, okay, what's really going on? And so I think that, you know, our our uh, job as real estate agents right now is to really spend the time to just show people, not not to sway their opinion, but make sure they understand what's really happening and then let them form their own opinion because yeah. most people want to look at what the facts are about the economy, what's going on within housing is totally different. 
you know, we housing is is still, you know, chugging along. There's lots of equity. There's very low payments. And there's very, very on the risk threshold, a very low risk of housing crashing. Affordability, as much as like, you know, we, we uh, talked with Nick about this. There, there are charts out there showing right now that it's it's down to where it's considered to be high, like good, right? So high score on, on um, you know, the, the index was like a 196. Well, we're down to about a 135, which is historically the high average for still. So the ratios are correct. The cost of the payment, what you make for a job, and housing is still a great opportunity. And I'll tell you this, Chris, um, talking about facts over fear, um, my every every indicator we're showing right now is showing that interest rates are going to continue another four to five times um, over the next 12 months or more, right, that our interest rates will adjust going up. And I think you're going to look back a year from now saying, wow, that same house now is $50,000 more and the payment is at 7% interest instead of six or five or whatever, right? So it's like, I just think that payments are going to continue. Prices are going to continue kind of plugging along because it's a high demand market. There's a lot of demand for housing and there's not a lot of coming, even though, you know, I'll contradict myself maybe later and tell you there's more inventory coming on the market. But for right now, today, that's what we're seeing. It's, it's a very interesting market right now. And it's, it's us agents getting used to it as well, because when you come off these markets that are just crazy and and what you have to do, it, it's kind of like, okay, now we have to kind of readjust. We got to think, we don't think a weekend, we think, you know, two weeks to a month that uh, we've got this and this is how we got to market it and let's put this plan together. And I'll tell you what, I like it a lot better this way. I really do. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like that fast. Everything's just crazy and all it just it piles on you. But it's hard for sellers that are that are in it right now to understand that it is going to take a little time. There's there's not a lot of inventory, but things are sitting for a little bit. And there's some that are still quick and going and and going out the door. But um, well, I mean, Chris, think about this too. You you know, if you think about it this way, there was a lot of people that entered the market um, over the last two years where they think that's normal. And, and what they don't recognize is that they were going into a very unusual market. That was not normal at all. We're transitioning right now into what I call a normal market where days on market will be a little higher and balance out a little bit. So you can actually take a breath when you're looking at a house. You know, it's still important to get your qualification letters done, get all of your, you know, as they say, ducks in a row before you go make an offer. But, you know, a lot of times, like Chris is saying, they're not selling the first day they're on the market. They're not getting 30 showings and 10 offers like they were. And so as that, we go back to a normal market, people are freaking out a little bit because I've been out on a lot of markets in the last seven days since we talked last. And people are like, oh, my God, I want to take advantage of the market before it crashes. It's like, oh, time out. Right. I don't see a crash coming in our future. Uh, at least not now. I mean, I think inventory is always going to be that uh, the hidden factor that no matter what anything does, if you don't have a lot of stuff out there, it's really hard which to get. I'm looking for, you know, more upper bracket stuff right now. And it's crazy. There's nothing coming on. And so um, that's the that's a real short in our market right now is the upper bracket stuff. Yeah. I could get rid of a could have a lot of sales if I had, you know, and it's kind of in that 800 to 1.5 million range yep. that uh, people are, are, 
and I've got a lot of people that are sitting there. Well, should I or shouldn't I? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Kind of thing. And a lot of them determine if they're going to build still. And building, I mean, lumber is, is adjusting again, getting a little better. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. We're still seeing the building thing going too. So, well, it's it's kind of one of the best options for most people. Then you get what you want, where you want, as you want. You just have to the where you your give to get your to take. You know, you so you have give and take, right? Mm-hmm. So the the give that you're gonna have to give is probably timing, um, probably your budget a little bit. Um, cause a lot of times when you put everything together and your budget's 800 and it comes in at 875, well, that's not going to blow the deal for most people, but some people it will. Okay. So it, and, it, and it's not the builders marking it up. It's, it's the amenities. It's the cost of the goods. And, and here's, what's kind of cool though, too. And I, I'm, of course I'm very pro new construction. Everything's shiny, brand new. You get the maximum life and value out of every item that's put in that house when it's brand new. You know, the furnaces are new and under warranty, the water heaters, all of the, you know, the plumbing is the best. The insulation is the best. The building techniques are top notch, you know, for strength and everything else and energy efficiency. So there's a lot of really nice benefits to paying a little bit more. I, I guess with the new, because your cost is lower. Well, how, do you, think higher, this, is lower. how do you think the summer is going to play out in this market? Um, I think the, I think the number of houses available is going to get a little higher. Um, I think mortgage rates are going to continue to respond to inflation where we're going to keep seeing them just having to adjust, adjust, adjust going up, which is the only way they can kind of combat that. And then I think home prices are going to continue to climb throughout the summer. Yeah. I don't think I disagree with you on any of that. I think we're going to have I mean, I don't think it's going to be a, a crazy, crazy summer like we've had the last really two years, uh, but a little, little more controlled. But um, it still should be, I think it, it'll still be fine and people are still going to buy and things are, we're not, I don't see a fall is what I'm saying. So Well, Chris, all the major, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, the Mortgage Association, Brokers, National Association, Realtors, they're all projecting between 5 and 9% appreciation. Yeah. None of them are under 5. Right. And they're, they're looking at stats. They look at history. They look at, just because you're, again, feelings over facts. We have feelings happening. They're producing facts. And the facts are, statistically, we're going to be okay. All right. You got me feeling better. I feel better. I feel like this, I I do, I hate to be so like immediately come across defensive or confrontational. But the thing is, is this, is that I feel like I'm, we're fighting the whole media. You know what I'm saying? It's like all all of these people are, every video that I see popping up on YouTube um, oh, the biggest crash in history on its way. Oh, I can't afford a house. This is terrible. America sucks. And it's like, go to hell. You, you all, you're full of it. You read your facts, and then let's sit back down, and then I'll give you a quiz. And see how Did you, you say go to hell. I meant <laughs> heck. Go to heck. Andy <laughs> for why? governor. Just, I get mad. I'm passionate about this because people are so full of it right now, just to get the clicks. And it's it's all like I'm telling you, it's all clickbait. They, they say that crap just to get you to click it. And gosh darn it, there's yeah. so many people that click it that they keep doing it. Yeah, well, totally. So if we stop totally. clicking, they're going to stop lying. I, 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 I thought, guys, I thought I was going to spend the summer on the boat, but I guess I'm not. I'm going to work. You're going to be busy. Yep. Hey, let's have some fun here. Let's do our real estate uh, reacts to these memes. This segment is brought to you by Chris Rooney home experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate. 
where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. That's right. <laughs> that uh, that looks familiar for the radio people. It says uh, new real estate agents are are tripping on themselves and hitting rakes and hitting them in the face, and then the experienced ones are using basically those rakes as uh, skateboards there. And um, then it hits us in the face. At the, we all get hit in the face, face at the end. Yeah, <laughs> so everyone's getting yeah. <laughs> hey, you got. I want to do my commercial today live, Nick. Just so you know. Wow, that's gonna be awesome! I, it is. It's gonna, it, it's gonna blow it's your crazy. mind. It is. What the? Yeah, you know, I think. Oh, uh, oh. Name another career where you can lose thousands of dollars because of a washer dryer combo. I'll wait. <laughs> uh, that's that's referring to an agent maybe forgetting to put that on the personal property denim, and it costs them. Usually, they're the ones that feel terrible about it. And end up paying for it. So, in an effort to, you know, uh, preserve the relationship with your client. And, yeah. and if that is something that, you know, I look at that as being, Chris, and I know you do the same. That's an investment, you know, and it, and it, it it's an investment back into your client. Um, it makes hopefully, you know, I, and I've, I've said this to other agents too that are on the, you know, newer to the business. If that investment in that person isn't going to give you, you know, a good feeling, make them feel good and make them, happy about the transaction to the point of where they want to refer you to their friends and family, then I'd consider not doing it. But on the other, you know, like if it's in a very confrontational situation, then you, then you might as well save it, um, you know, and not spend the money into the relationship. But on the other hand, most of the time, like you and I both have great relationships with clients and we get along really well. And so it's like, Oh man, they got stuck. Let I'll take care of them, you know, or whatever. I think we've all gotten, I think we've all gotten stuck and you know, but then you learn. <laughs> like for me, if I go in and I don't bring like the actual listing to write notes on, because I always write down personal property as I'm going through it and just making sure and double checking. Otherwise, I take pictures of it while I'm yep. walking through a house that if I know that they're interested. So it reminds me to not forget it again, because I did forget it. I don't think it was a it was a huge thing, but uh, ultimately I negotiated it back to get in. But it's just like, hey, learn my lesson, thing gonna happen again. So you, you know, gotta, and I, I find too that on the front end, if you spend the time to clarify, um, everybody appreciates that because it's perception that usually wrecks reality, right? Yeah. So well, I think that's included, and I think that's included. Then you go to the final walkthrough and it's all gone, and then you get upset and then you don't want to close. So spending the extra 10 minutes to put an addendum together that clarifies, oh, by the way, just just to be clear, this is this and that's that. And and uh, I think well, most people, like I say, appreciate that. I think, too, from a listing agent perspective, if you see that the buyers forgot that stuff and you know it's kind of included or they're going to do it, you ask them <laughs> because it mm -hmm. will become a problem later on. It just will. Or you tell your seller, you know what? 
These guys did forget it. We won't say anything now. More than likely, they're going to want it. It will be a problem later, but maybe we can use it for our leverage a little uh, later on to be able to kind of do some other stuff. And But just know that it's probably going to go goodbye because I'm telling you, that becomes a huge problem at the end. And at the end, it's always leverage buyer. Buyers you know, has it, leverage. Oh, for sure. And, you know, like I always... People that have listened with me or watching this will laugh. If it shows, it goes. Because I'll tell you, if if you want to take that, whatever it is, either get it out of the house or cover it with a blanket or put a note down that says that it's rented or whatever it is, just so that, because otherwise they see it, they're going to ask for it. And and it's just a good idea that if it's important to you, remove it offsite before you get the process started, before you take the photos, before you do, you know, and then, and then you don't have to, the risk of not, you know, that fight. How about, how about the light fixtures in the dining room or in the bedroom? And they're going to keep them, but they show, use them to show. You can't do that. Get them out. Nope. Get them gone. And then put up the other light because once people see it, I mean, if it's nice, they want it. Or else they're going to be like, well, I don't know what else is going to go there. And they always think it's more expensive. It's just silly. You just, just get it out of there. Correct. Correct. In 1999, this was considered affordable home for a single-income family where the breadwinner works entirely in waste management. How far have we fallen? <laughs> Isn't that uh, Tony Soprano's house? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the three times I watched it, I saw the house and I noticed the brickwork. I'm like, wow, that house is just spectacular with the brick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I'm still fond of brick. I just had a customer of mine. Um, yeah. We were looking at this beautiful brick fireplace, and I'm sitting there just going, "Wow, how much time that must have took and effort." And 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 no and no offense, he's just like, eh, "I'm ripping it out. It's so dated." And I'm like, "Man, the amount of work and hours and time and craftsmanship." I go, "If you ask somebody to do this in today's money with an archway and multiple depths of stepping." I go, they charge you $25,000 to do a fireplace like this, you know? We just we just tore out three of them on the property that I'm, I'm renovating. And it was, I mean, I, I must, we probably tore down $200,000 worth of uh, chimney and brickwork. I mean, and then it cost me 5000 to get rid of it. And so, but it was, I mean, but it, it's dated and it would, and inopportune spots. I mean, taking out full fireplaces, it's a crazy what you do to a, you know, a 1970s home by opening it up and not having that thing in your way. I had, uh, you, you remember, I, I not too many, well, it was probably a couple of years back here. I flipped one in Minneapolis and we took a fireplace and, and again, me with my brick, right? So we go into the house and instead of just painting it white, like we, a lot of people do, I, I asked my interior decorators, I said, what would you pick if you had to pick a new color brick? And they picked a color combination. And I'm not kidding you. My, my interior design team um, actually said, you know what? We're going to just try to do this. And they went and bought paints, like for, for concrete stains. And they went over this brickwork and stained this fireplace and, you know, changed up the color scheme on it. And they didn't touch the grout. They didn't. They just went right over brick over brick with their little paintbrushes. Oh, my gosh, Chris. You would not have believed how nice it turned out. And it turned out so nice. I go, how much for you guys to do the front of the house? And they did the whole front. And I mean, we sold that house in like three seconds. I mean, it was so beautiful when they were done. Yeah, they could do some neat things. Stacy Edwards, who works with us, she uh, does the same thing. And she actually used 
like a sponge. So you just, you, you push it with the sponge. So you get those kind of those and it's unbelievable. It looks like it's brand new brick, um, but totally cool. changes the whole house. And it then does. painting and when you have those, that gold on your fireplace too, painting that with heat resistant paint. I mean, it totally oh, changes. Wow. It looks like it makes it brand new. So. I bet it does. I bet that's a, I didn't know you could even do that. That's great. Oh yeah. Really cool. All right. Agents then. I just spent eight hours cold calling people and agents now. I don't know what to post on TikTok. Yeah. That, uh, oh my God. Andy, did you ever cold call? You guys get the meme, right? It's this big, tough dog. Another one's like a little scrawny dog, right? Yeah. I think somehow there's a hidden message to us in there. <laughs> I think there, I think what I do is ask you, have you done cold calling before? You know, I, 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 God bless America. I have not had to. Me neither. I, I've, I've always been very much. I only want to talk to people who want to talk to me. Um, I'm not afraid to knock on a door. I'm not afraid to make cold calls. I just have never had to do that, or I've never made that part of my business. I focus on the people that know me, and that, um, and surprisingly, they keep rewarding me with business. Um, just take care of the people that you know, and uh, make sure they know you're in business. And it's amazing how having that open line of communication with people. There's no trickery needed. There, when people are ready, um, just make sure you're there at the right time, and and they'll call you or they'll reach out to you. You know. I'm sure I told you my whole my old story. That's how many you said it. You said it maybe every episode. So let's hold on. I think it's also saying like how easy <laughs> it is calls. now. Andy, if you don't know, how, how do we push this guy away? How how, <laughs> how yeah. easy is it for um, agents nowadays? Like you don't have to go through all the books anymore. Like was it a lot harder back in the day? I think that's what the meme is is saying. And now the new agents are only caring about like TikTok videos and and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it obviously is. Uh, I I don't know if it's a lot easier because you got to know a lot of the technology part. But I think for some of the younger people, it is a lot easier than than what it was. I mean, we literally, literally picked up a phone book and started calling people, and right. so that that doesn't happen now. You get lists, and you have well, you actually have services that can do it for you. Uh, I was just solicited by one where they'll go in and call fifteen hundred people around you know, every week, every two weeks, every month, whatever you want to do. So if it's a new listing or you sold the listing or you got a neighborhood and you, you pay these people in which to be able to promote, promote you out there. So there's a lot of ways in which to play the game now. It just costs a little money. Well, Chris, you and I are that age of where when we were kids and you're sitting down for dinner and the phone rings, I was like, shh, 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 phone's ringing. Hello, Rooney house. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Marge. Hi. And they're excited somebody called you, right? The telephone was still kind of new to people. I, I know it sounds crazy, but it was exciting to get a phone call. Somebody was reaching out to you. We didn't have all these other stimulus. So telephone calls were answered. And nowadays, people, the phone rings in my house and rings and rings and nobody answers it. It's like, it's it's a joke. It's almost like, well, apparently nobody's concerned about a phone call, right? Because people have changed the way they like to communicate. They like to be entertained. So hence the TikToks of the world. But what I would say to you also is people have become critics. So you put all this content out there, you might be entertaining. And the goal is to be entertaining to people so they watch you enough to so that when they're ready to finally learn about real estate or ask a question about real estate, that you're in front of them so that they ask you instead of somebody else. That's the whole, it's a whole different technique versus the, hey, did you know the house went up for sale down the street? It may have affected your property value. Would you like me to come over and explain it to you? I think we need that, you know, and also now you just made a cold call and appointment. 
And and it just TikTok is more entertain me. And then when I'm ready to learn, I'm gonna call this person because I really like their style or the way they entertain me. Different. Totally yeah. cool, but different. Everybody are keeping an eye on that 75-year-old homeowner that's not feeling well. That's just sad. Um, but it's true. I mean, you start I aging and wondering when they're going to go to their next uh, living arrangement. So <laughs> realtors are hounds, I'll tell you. But you play off of that. You really do. You, you can. Okay, Andy, you want to give us a commercial to go into our, our next segment? Hey, everybody, this is Andy Praskett. No, hey, I tell you what, those of you that watch the show and uh, and have, have followed us for years, I don't know if you know this, but I actually put out a postcard every month, and this month we're featuring Bachman's. And here's what's really cool for you guys. I can actually get you 10% off or 20% off, 50 bucks, whatever you want to look at, get you that nice plant, maybe you'd buy something for Dad for Father's Day, whatever it is. This is absolutely free. If you want to get on this list, why don't you go ahead and contact me, Andy, at Prasky.com, or give us a call, 763-433-0850. Every month there's a coupon for, I think we do Valley Fair. There's some restaurants, ice cream places. So it's always something fun, and, uh, and, and we'd love to send you a copy. So let us know if you'd like to join our list. Was, was that live or was that recorded? That was, was that, good. Was it 30 seconds, though? I mean, oh, this is this is this stuff is timed perfectly, Andy. So we'll 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 look. So, uh, uh, show a house, get paid, get. Uh, it was funny. Those are hard. It was very funny. They're hard to There's keep so up with. Sadness in my life. They're hard to keep up with. But what I've learned is that now I have to go watch it again and again, and then that is what they're. That's the trick. So, ha have your have your uh, ver or your words moving so fast, people can't read it, so they have to keep watching the video to read what you put in there. Exactly. And there are some pretty funny things in there. So if you want to look the, that over again, it's, it's a pretty There's good one. so much sadness in my life. No. Yeah. But it was basically just a realtor life and what, it, what it's like. Oh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I am Optimus Prime, and I send this message to any surviving Autobots taking refuge among the stars. We are here. We are waiting. Jeez. <laughs> well. Uh, Andy, what do you have to say about that one? I'm going to look up their Google price, their stock price again. Oh, jeez. No, I mean, in actuality, there's a lot of, from agent standpoints, there's always people moving from one um 
brokerage to another. I know they're getting quite a few people. I think you hear about it more because it's very beneficial to everyone uh, that's there to be able to get other people there. So um, I think that's kind of a playoff of that. Like there's going to be the lone wolves are, are left to fight, to fight them all off. Yeah. You know, and I get it. I think that the EXP is just a gigantic recruiting machine too. And, and it's, you recruit someone, they, they make the brokerage money. You make a cut of the brokerage's money. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, or they, they never even thought it could work that way. And it's like a multi-level marketing style of, of stacking, even though they argue with you, but I don't care what you say. It's the easiest way to explain it. You recruit other people, you make money off of them. And um, you, so there's other brokerage. I think Exit does it that way. I believe Keller Williams still does it that way. Um, and the idea there is so that it hardest thing in the world to do in real estate as a broker is recruit new agents. So when a peer of yours says, hey, this is a great brokerage, it's really fun. They serve lollipops every day and there's free soda machine. And so then people follow their buddies over to that new broker with all the shiny new whistles. And it, what it comes down to is sustainability. You know, are you making money or is the broker cut, you know, super aggressive so they can share that money with everybody? Or do you actually make more money? So I, I always say, let's run a simple spreadsheet. At the end of the year, let's compare five or six brokerages and, you know, paying rent, giving a percentage of your sale. At, at the end of the day, there is a brokerage that's a better fit for you. So I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I don't think that'll happen. What'll happen? Oh, that. that Everybody's at EXP except for means, one person. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. that's obviously a recruiter putting that out there. Yeah. But it's also. You know, I I think in our for myself doing it a couple of years here is that it's to me it's not a lot about the company. It's all about individuals and who you're working with, and you know you need to work together because the odds of you selling your own listing are pretty rare. And the mm -hmm. the more you can work together with people, and obviously still represent your seller, they represent their buyer, or vice versa, but. Um, there's no reason for us to all the fight and, you know, and everyone, I think everyone gets all worked up about these different agencies. And in the end, we're, we're realtors. We have to work for a broker and uh, people go to where they feel comfortable. So, well, it's just like anything else. It's like, you know, so you signed on with a team, leave me alone through the full season. And then let's have a, a window of time where you can shop brokerages or something, because it comes down to where it's, I'm not kidding you, Chris. And this is why people get upset about it. It's constant bombardment. I mean, week after week, somebody new trying to say, hey, we should, we have a better mousetrap. We have a better system. We have a, and it's like, okay, real estate agents have to decide. And, and if you're smart, you'll realize what's best for my clients. Does a brand ma matter? Does a, you know, does a, uh, you know, whatever, ma you have to put all those tools into place that you think are important and your clients keep verifying to you that are good. So if you, if you ask your clients after they do a transaction with you, does it matter um, my years of experience. Does it matter, you know, uh, my track record? Does it matter my brokerage, you know, my brand? And and they'll tell you. Hey, nobody recruits me. I'm not getting bombarded. I'll recruit you. You're awesome. I just, I, I think I'm too you old. You get really lazy and then have me do all your work for you? I will do it. I'm, I'm driven, man. I want to <laughs> do think, it. Yeah, I think they just want to put me in the back room or something. I don't know. That's all right.
showing you what a non-compliant sign looks like? <laughs> hey, that, that's that's one thing about uh, EXP that you didn't mention, that you can market how you want, just so you know. But anyways, uh, so there's some advantages to that. But that, you know, I mean, sometimes I always look at those signs. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, I buy houses, call me. Well, I know someone who said they buy houses on the lake in Prior Lake and had three opportunities to be able to purchase houses and turn around and sold them and made money. So those uh, those things do work. But like Andy was saying, when you say non-compliance, we have to have, I mean, we're kind of like the wolf and everyone else is the sheep and we have to fully let them know who we are uh, as a realtor that we're, we're you know, we're so much well, smarter well, than and Maybe and Chris, explain that a little better, even with the, the concept that, you know, the broker is ultimately who you're doing business with. And the, the agent is actually the salesperson underneath the broker. So the broker has to be the predominant um, part of the ad. So, you know, and then your name can go on there, but it has to be, you know, obvious who the broker is. And if it's always, not, then it's usually not compliant. We always talk about dual agency on that. And I, I get questions, you know, they say, well, if you just sell it, if you sell it yourself, I said, no, it's my brokerage. If anyone in my brokerage sells it, it's dual agency. So in Andy's case, you know, he's got 400 other people that could be a dual agent with him. They might not know nothing about what your situation is, but the broker does. And the broker is the one that's in charge and that's the one that we all work for. And ultimately they're the ones that are responsible. So that's why disclosure is so important in agency. And it's the first thing at first substantive contact, we have to do it. And not a lot of agents do, which is really sad. They do not. The year is 2015. Time travel hasn't been invented, but in 2022, it will be. I was looking to buy a home, but didn't. Future me was sent back to fix that mistake. Ah! Who are you? I'm you, from the future. We don't have much time. What I'm about to tell you is very important. And what you do with this information is going to determine if you're still living in your parents' basement when you're 30 or not. That house you're looking at on Zillow, you need to buy it now. I, I just feel like the prices are too high. Like if you don't want to be living in a van down by the river, you need to buy that house now. I'm homeless. I also peed myself a little. Time travel. It's a real bitch. Dave Ramsey said I need to have 25% down, and I'm just not there it yet. It doesn't gonna... matter if you have 100% to put down. You need to buy that house now. There, there just seems to be way too many options. Too many I, options? I Try no options. Also, your trip to China, summer of 2020, cancel it and buy some Bitcoin and little doge as well. Hold the line. <laughs> That's creative. That I liked it. Yeah. It was very clever. Imagine how long it probably took to do that too. Oh. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that's it's creative. And and if you are someone looking for someone you're thinking geez this guy is really creative i mean it, it gives an opportunity to get in but what i found is a lot of agents they might be able to do that but when they actually you know are put into the game they're really hard to translate that they can act and cut and edit and do all that but once you get into the game and have to perform it's uh it's a lot different story I agree. I think that, you know, the other thing is, is when you look at um, just the, again, fear over facts, facts over fears, um, just spend the time to do some research. And, and that example that that agent just gave, I think will resonate with us in a couple of years. Well, it just made, it made your comment, what you said earlier, said the exact same thing, you know, that you're looking, people next year are going to look back at this as like, 
you know what, I should have maybe grabbed something. <laughs> my house went up five to 10%. And uh, of course I waited. Now my, not only was the, is the price more expensive, but my interest rates higher. So we had, uh, I had a couple people uh, close on, on places and it was really interesting because they're kind of like, oh, I wish we were, you know, buying right now. It seems a, it wasn't as, as crazy and we wouldn't have had to pay so much. And I said, well, I said, think about this. <laughs> I mean, your rate, the, what, you, what you got in at and what you locked in at was in the threes and now you're in the fives. I mean, your payment would have changed 400 and some dollars. So in reality, you back then you would have had to pay almost 40,000 more um, for this house. And those, and then that kind of calmed them down and said, oh my gosh, so glad we purchased. And I mean, you got that low rate here for 30 years to hang on to. So yeah. Agreed. Hi guys, we're going into our main segment here. This is a very popular subreddit for real estate people, especially millennials. And we're gonna solve their problems. So we have five issues here, okay? We got 20 minutes to get through them all. So here we go. Here's the first one. All right, is it common for a buyer to switch lenders right after making an offer? Oh boy, this is the worst thing because what they do is they basically give you uh, an approval letter for somebody or from a lender. And then all of a sudden, as they get into it and they're done with their inspection and everything's tied up, they decide to switch the lender. Sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't. And uh, it's very, very frustrating. Um, and I wish there was something in play that they, that they couldn't do it, but there's nothing really stopping them. Well, even the board, that. Minnesota Board of Realtors, and this is where I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit as a member, um, they, they don't care. So like if somebody switches and it closes, it's kind of like the, I had a case where the customer said they were going to buy with cash and then halfway through the process decided to finance, um, snuck an appraiser, a drive-by appraiser through there and they financed the deal and didn't pay cash. And it's like, you say, oh, but what does it matter? It doesn't matter. It does matter because we took a cash offer knowing that there'd be zero contingency issues and that, you know, we, we had higher offers on the table that were financed. So if we were willing to jump through the finance hoops and risks that come with financing, we, we could have yielded 10 more thousand dollars, you know, and, and we even took the ethics. They took it right to the ethics board and nobody cared. So yeah, apparently they, our association doesn't care if you switch financing. Yeah. I do. Well, I mean, you're a breach of the contract, technically, you know, if you switch your financing, but, you know, without, you need to let the other party know. Yeah. And I think that they look at it, if you wanted to cancel out, you'd have to do exactly what you said you were going to do. But if you could do something alternatively, and so say you're, you know, to get the offer, you say 20% down, and all of a sudden you switch it to 5% down, there's not, there's nothing we can do that's, that's in the contract that says that, but um I think the interesting part is this, is that when this whole crazy market was going, one of the big things that from an agent perspective that was very important to us is that the agent had a relationship with that loan officer. And when you have a relationship with that loan officer, you know how they work, you know that they're going to get it done, blah, blah, blah. Well, all of a sudden they go in and they say, yeah, we've been working with this, this loan officer for 15 years, takes it. All of a sudden they flip it to Quicken Loans. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with Quicken Loans and we, we're dealing with a computer and you're just, even if they stay with their 20% down, we might have a real problem with them. So um, it's a big deal. And uh, I thought a lot about 
you know, writing something in separately, but then, you know, it's so new and, and different then you right. kind of scare people off. So, well, you know, it's, it's it, you, like we have, you, both of you and I both have experience with different lenders, right? And all of a sudden somebody decides to switch and they go to an internet lender and the internet lender makes us work five times harder because they don't understand. They're from Arizona. We're in Minnesota. They've got us doing termite tests. They're asking us to do all these other hoops that normally I not jump through all in the uh, perception that there's the, the buyer saving money. Well, if you would have presented to us that you were going to use that internet um, company on the front end, we may not have accepted your offer. Exactly. That's my point. It does. Lenders do make a difference for sure. Same with title companies. Now, some title companies are fantastic. Other ones make me turn gray. You have to remember too, mortgage companies have overlays and different companies have different overlays and something that might've worked on the pre-approval the first time would not work at the pre-approval on, on another place. And you might, and a buyer is out there saying, Oh my gosh, I want to be able to, you know, go in, get this interest rate. This interest rate's way better. Well, they totally qualify you differently. So you got to be real careful of that. For sure. Seller turning down offers and wants $200,000 more. Um, I, I just went through that um, horribly. And um, it was like never enough. And then the seller said, well, all right, well, we, we'll take this. And then... So I said, okay, we, we'll, we'll do it. My people are just are doing it. And then the seller says, no, I, you know, I'm just going to take it off the market. They said, but no, if you do it for this, then I'll do it. And then we did it again. I mean, this $55,000 more. And it, there was, it was a good value house. And then finally at the end, she just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm done. And I just took it off the market. And she had, I mean, tons of showings, but it was kind of a for sale by owner thing. But I mean, it was just, yep. it, it's horrible. But they, they have the right in which to do that. Now, we have listing contracts with people that say if we get them what we say we're going to get them and they turn it down, we, we can still get paid. But very yep. rare does that ever come into play or someone. Nobody, enforce, I, I haven't seen anybody ever enforce that, but that right. in theory is, is true. Right. So, you know, I think that it's kind of weird, though, too, that, you know, in today's market, especially now when we're transitioning, the idea that, you know, if you have a hot market that's a million dollar market, and you're listing at, like, I think the example gave 900 or 800,000. They're, they're doing that just to get more interest on the property, hoping that there's multiple offers and bidding wars. On the other hand, if you have a very unreasonable seller and they're not going to take anything under 1.1 million, yeah, man, I think it's false advertising saying, you know, listing it at 900. I mean, what they should do is, is, is list it. I mean, in, in all fairness, they should list it at the price that they really want, that they would accept. And, and see what happens. And then if it doesn't sell in the one month window of time that, you know, it takes that area to sell a home or absorb a home, um, then, then pull it off the market. But on the other hand, most listing agents nowadays won't take a listing like that. I wouldn't. Well, well I think that's the opposite. I think that's probably what happened is that that listing agent's like, yeah, this is what we can do. And then we'll get you that 1.1, but we got to do it at 900. And then we'll get everyone excited. We'll go crazy. And, and oh, it didn't work. And so I think there's people out there that will do that all the time because it's it's very competitive out there. So however they get their competitive advantage, they can say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Well, I'll get it for you. And the other agent says, you know yeah. what? We got to go $9.99. Hopefully we'll get a little more, but you got to be prepared. That it's probably a million dollars or that one point one. 
well, you know, just understanding the psychology, right? The, the thought process between buyers today versus buyers two weeks ago or two months ago, okay? Buyers today, on average, this was a stat that came out the other day that said the average uh, single family home between fuel prices and grocery prices alone, the average family in the U.S. feels that they're short $400 a month from where they need to be to just survive. So they have to get a raise, they have to do whatever, or they've gone $400 a month backwards. On top of that, compounding that interest rates almost doubled in the last three months, and that's an average of another $400. So now the average family feels like they're upside down $800 a month before they write your offer. And I'm telling you, right now is a time that you should write your, you should list your houses at a fair price, at a price that you can sell it for, because people don't have that happy skip go lucky. I'm going to offer 50 grand more. They're saying, okay, we need to secure this property at a fair price to afford it. And, and so people have, the, the mind shift is already starting to happen. doesn't mean that they're making less money, but they have less spending power right now than they did three months ago or six months ago. And uh, it's starting to show on the offers we're seeing. But there's still price points that are crazy. And oh, all no, no, no. I, I, I mean, I just listed one this week where we had the same thing, where it was all of a sudden put it on the market. We had our, you know, 10 showings. We got four offers all fantastic offers that does still happen under 350 you know i mean i and i same thing for i did one in the mid fives and same thing happened so you know it it is still happening but there are segments of the market where if we would have listed those houses too high those houses would be still sitting there collecting dust true Okay, my sister's angry that I won't co-sign for her, should I? She has no credit and a history of being evicted from any leases she's ever had. They've lost two homes in the past years, and, and a son has a history of damaging property. Blah, blah, blah. Should he co-sign for her? Absolutely not a chance ever. Why would you ever co-sign for someone like that? Because it's never going to end, and they got to get their credit back in place. Not even a thought on that. I, I think the best thing he could do is find a lender that will write him a rejection letter that says, oh, sorry, based on your current income and credit scores, we cannot qualify you for a mortgage. So it takes the pressure off that guy from, uh, or the sibling from having to go or, sign. Or it. just buy the house yourself and rent it to him. You know, there you go. Sell it That's back to him cool. on a, a rent to own and you got to follow these criteria, but Here, then you'll here's never the box. Chris is outside of it thinking. Yes, exactly. There's your, yeah. That's good thinking, Chris. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, lakefront means some portion of the property touches the water. What do these people think? Do they assume I will buy set unseen? At some point, the buyer is going to notice that the house is blocks away from the shore. Why do they insist on wasting my time with a 10-minute walk to the lake? So true. Um, misrepresenting your house in, in any way, I don't care what it is. If you say it's you know totally turnkey and the appliances are 30 years old, that's not totally turnkey. So um, in this case, lakefront means that you're, I mean, lakefront literally means that you front the lake. Lakeshore means you might own some of that lakeshore. So lakefront might be like what you'd find in downtown Minneapolis by Nokomis and, and that, that you front the lake, but you don't actually touch it. That's lakeshore. Um, but yeah. Well, that or that, or, you know, maybe there was a deeded access down the street. And so, you know, they, and that's part of the property that you have deeded access or you have whatever, you know, and it, and maybe they do have a dock that's shared. And so 
they're misleading the consumer for sure. Because I think of lake front, meaning that the, your front yard is the lake. Right? What? Your front yard is the lake. Some people think okay? that. Some people think that. Your backyard is the road behind you, lakefront. I'm not going with it, but you can. But I've heard a lot of people say that. So, where's the address on? Does your address say 324 Prior Lake or does it say 5276 Frost Point Circle? Just saying. Tenant was caught smoking meth by a contractor. Owns a uh, fourplex, and today I had a contractor I've used regularly for over a year. Tell me why I was there repairing. Uh, he saw some tenants smoking meth. What should I do? Already planned on evicting them. They have a month to month and have violated the lease. But legally, do I need to report this to the police? Not only do you need to do that, you need to have it all cleaned up as well. And uh, it's not an yeah. inexpensive thing because it gets in the pipes. If now. If they're smoking it there, I don't know if they're producing it there, but you have to have it tested. And other, if you weren't in Minneapolis during COVID, you should have a drug-free, crime-free addendum that you can get people out. We had, we had like drug-free, crime-free addendum. We had two people in there smoking pot, no problem, having their friends over and doing that. Caught them, and the freaking Minneapolis wouldn't let us kick them out because of COVID. So I mean, it was. It was ridiculous. That was... it wasn't just pot. There was bad stuff there too. Needles and everything. Oh yeah, Nick, you were there. You saw it. Yeah, there was needles. They had. Uh, and there wasn't two people. There was like eight that came out. Yeah, yeah. So, but what those needles? You know, to kind of bring you back alive. They had those laying around. Really, really classy. Yeah, and then they went kick them out. Nice, uh, nice rental, Rooney. Uh, it was. It is. It was until. Those idiots did it. And, and, you know, you get those kind of people. And then you just get rid of them. But, uh, yeah, not good. And then the sad part was the, the the father of the druggie that was doing it totally defended her. And it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. That's why that kid is like that, you know. Mm. So, so, anyways, there's my, my rant. Any others, Nicholas? You got me. That just a upsets more. me. Disrespect. I mean, when you disrespect people's property, I just think that is so wrong. But go ahead. Yeah. So we ended a little early. So I'm going to finish up with uh, some social media reacts, the ones we missed. So. Wow. We got through stuff. That's impressive, Andy. Yeah.
I'll tell you what, because that was a realtor that did a really good job of um, tagging every single place in Stillwater so all those people could follow them and uh, kind of get a little feel for the lifestyle of, of Stillwater, right. which is fantastic. Stillwater is awesome. Oh, yeah. That, it's one of my favorite spots, too. Yeah. Uh, I threw that one up there for Andy because he knows the area, and I thought it was kind of cool to sell Stillwater. Oh, it's great! It's great. Yeah, we. I wish there was more, uh, more of it because I tell you that that space, it it has that vacation vibe without being that far out. I mean, it's it it literally the between that and the the you know rides on the uh, paddle boats and the you know all the dinner activities and the you know the shopping and the quaintness of it. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a great place to live for sure. Yeah, you get like a, a Bayport, uh, Stillwater, uh, Hudson, Excelsior, Wyzetta, everything that kind of sits on the water. It's just a whole different vibe to it and, and fun and people walking around and, you know, they, yeah. they revamped all of Wyzetta basically downtown to be able to create that, that feel as well. And, um, really, really super cool stuff. They had to fill all the potholes so the Ferraris that were driving around uh, didn't uh, scrape. That's right. They they take helicopters, Andy, down there. It, I tell you, I've been there a couple times where I've seen some of the cars where I'm like in the parking lot just going, wow, beautiful car. Don't even – forgot why I'm even there. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to eat. Uh, yeah. Hey, speaking of um, things like that, Jennifer Durkheising. She was always oh. she's a great friend of yours, and uh, yes. she was on a radio show forever, forever, and ever. Boy, she's doing a bunch of different things now. She's got a crispy green, that crispy green thing, and then they bought yeah. that uh, bed and breakfast in downtown Excelsior. And yeah. what great marketing they do! She's still they do. Uh, a lender as well, and does really well at that. But yeah, it's kind of fun to kind of fun to watch, and that Stillwater thing kind of remind me of it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's great when you know. I always love it when I see other people get successful with things, you know, and have great success and, and, and being that nice of a person too, and hardworking and great mom. And she's good. She's, she was good to have in our network for sure. Forget everything you knew about marketing and real estate. I want you to implement these two strategies right now. Number one, send 10 video text messages to friends, clients, family, 10 a day. Don't ask for business. Don't ask for referrals. Just make it personalized and say their name. That might seem too easy, but my students get an average of two new clients per month. One just picked up five new clients in 20 days from that strategy. Number two, CMA drop-off. Pick a neighborhood, do a review by video of what's happening in the neighborhood, put it on a postcard with a QR code, directing people to the video, talking about what's happening in the market, and then they can ask you for a CMA. Both good ideas. She's a coach. Oh, is she? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen her stuff before. I forget her name, but she, um, she's got a lot of great ideas. I mean, again, going back to that sphere of people that, you know, or an area that you want to focus on and having the ability to, you know, talk to people, be real, connect with people. I think the more connections you can make, the, the more comfortable people feel with reaching out to you and, and, you know, coming to you for advice, because, you know, a lot of times it's an educational process of, Hey, what's the market doing? Or, Hey, where are we headed? How much can I get for my house? You know, what can you help us find a house first? You know, all those things. And they want to find a trusted source. So if they can't, you know, receive a referral, but they see your videos or, you know, it, it I think it's, it's a good business, you know, 
Practice to have. You just need to take action. You got to take action. If you take action, things happen. Be in touch with the people that care about you. You got it. Here we go. Right, we had a nice little comment on our uh, clip of our silly H homeowner association rules. So this is from Owen Reese. In our townhouse development, uh, we're allowed to rent with rules and we've had numerous investment owners. They, they are all behind on their association dues. After $650 in arrears, they lien the property. Now we are changing the bylaws, keeping the existing rental rules except adding an owner must occupy the property for 12 consecutive months before they can rent. We're seeing a lot of that, actually, that uh, you go in there and you're not buying it just as a rental. You you have to own it, live in it, uh, take responsibility for it. Doesn't, some, that require, but doesn't that require a vote? And if there's a majority of your owners are already investment people, they're not going to pass it. They're going to say, like nah, and yeah. they're going to leave it the way it is. So great, great idea, but you got to make sure that, you know, when you're – Putting an, an, an association together in the development phase, you have to have those rules there to protect the homeowners. Like there has to be triggers, like no more than a certain percent can become renters. And you're like, well, that's not fair. It's a hundred percent fair. So they can maintain control of the association. So if the association decides to go all investor, that's fine. Or if it wants to stay all homeowner, that's fine. Because a lot of times homeowners um, in general are, are not, you know, smoking uh, the, the, whatever you were talking about earlier, inside or shooting what they they take care of their properties because it's an investment and a place to live and and they want to maintain it and take care of it so the the argument always is the transient you know renter that comes in and out and goes and doesn't care and just part of their journey doesn't you know create an environment where you want to invest so which i don't think it's always true but it you know it is what it is but i would say this andy that um i would think that if there was people in that that owned rentals I think they would vote for it. Number one, um, it makes their rental more valuable that, that they have in there. And number two, anytime you have some sort of rental restrictions, typically that unit um, goes up. And if it all of a sudden ends up that everything, because they're, they're grandfathered in, they already have the renters in there. So it's not going right. to hurt them. And so their values might go up. So. Good point. I've noticed a lot of these type of rules um, over here in Europe. I know a second home in Italy, the taxes are insane because they want people to be able to have their own places. And then obviously we've spoken about it before, but um, cities are cracking down on things like Airbnb and companies buying up places because the locals can't afford anything. And uh, so maybe it's a thing to come in the USA. But I mean, it's like almost unheard of to be like a property investor in Europe where you have a bunch of different properties and you're renting them out. It wasn't it's Airbnb. Been that way for generations. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't Airbnb. Well, wasn't Airbnb supposed to be, Hey, if I wanted to rent out my room to get a little extra money that I could do it. And now all of a sudden it turned into a, it's a, it's a, it's a business. And that's what happens in, in this world everywhere is Everyone looks at opportunities different. So they think they're protecting the small guy and trying to help them out. And they'll flip it and look at different opportunities and figure it out. It's just what it is. I mean, it was like, it's taxes, Andy. We used to have that. If you were in the homestead versus non-home homestead, two to three times more in the taxes. And what did, what did the investors do? They just put it on to the renters. So the renters had to pay the, the higher taxes. So then the government figured out, said, oh, that's stupid. Let's not do that. And now the landlords just make more. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it, it's been that way for generations. I mean, Nick, they talked about this years ago. 
where families are are third generation renters sometimes in an apartment. And that, so, you know, you go back to where in real estate, they always say it's the American dream to own a house. It, that's where it comes from. It's coming from people that could never own a house in another place. They want to move to America so they can own something, be proud of themselves, have that sense of, you know, I own it, right? And and that's that's a big driver for a lot of immigrants to America. I mean, when you ask them, not only that, but you most of like the successful immigrants that I sell houses to nowadays, um, it, it's amazing how they go. It's so easy in America. You can make as much money as you want. And we, the, we're, we're third, fourth, fifth generation. Americans are like, this economy sucks. And oh my God, where there's no opportunities. You have people coming here saying, oh my God, there's zero restrictions. We can do whatever we want when we want. We can open up businesses. We can make millions of dollars. And, and it's it's perspective. And, and how do you look at it? Or, you know, um, and, and I, I don't know. I think America is still, you know, the best place in the world for providing opportunities. I know we, we're not perfect in a lot of cases, but I'll tell you what, it, it is a, it, at least you can come here and be part of the land of the free and own your own place and control Amen. your destiny. Amen. God bless the USA. I'm hey, everyone. I mean, I know we always sound patriotic and, and, you know, old school, but it, it you got to think that way, man. Never apologize for that. That was perfectly uh -huh. said. Awesome. Hey, make sure to give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also post three digestible clips on Facebook and YouTube. Give those a like uh, and we'll see you next week. Ciao. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.